Blog Talk Radio. Welcome into the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Giants Beat Podcast review of week six. Hello and welcome. This is Scott Thompson from the Giants Beat. Been covering the Giants since about February of last year. And joining me soon will be my co-host throughout this entire Giants season in Justin Whitmont who also covers the Giants beat, so he will be on in a little bit. We are all part of the Scout Media Network, and Justin is on with us right now. Justin, how are you doing? And good, Justin man. How joining are you? us right now. Justin, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Scott? Very good. So let's just jump right into everything. Odell Beckham Jr., breakout game yesterday as a monster game eight receptions 222 yards two touchdowns justin quick question and i think the question on everyone's mind do you think that odell beckham is officially back you know i don't think he was ever gone um he was not getting as many scores and his stat line was almost identical to last year through four weeks barring two or three touchdowns and you know, that breakout performance now, if you compare this year's stats to last year's stats through the first six games, this year's stats are better. So, you know, I think he's more than back. I think he's getting even better than he was last year. So a lot of that speculation, you bring up a very good point. You know, he was never gone, but it seemed that the media and everything else around him was creating sort of an aura that, you know, he was struggling or that he was, as he said, quote unquote, not having fun anymore. And, we see the kicking net. What is the deal with this kicking net? Taking off his helmet, you know, after the touchdown, getting that unsportsmanlike penalty just to go propose to the kicking net. Do you find it as childish? Do you see it as a distraction? Or is this just the Odell Beckham Jr. that the Giants know? You know, to your first point uh, before the net, um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., for anyone who watches him, you know he loves getting in the end zone, doing his dance, doing whatever he wants to do. And I think that was really creating that stir about him not being the player he was because he made it seem like he was not doing his thing as much. And as far as the kicking net goes, I don't have a problem with what he's doing on the sideline with the net. I mean, I think it's a little silly, but if that's what Odell wants to do, 222-yard, two-touchdown game, go right ahead. But taking his helmet off in the end zone, saying something to the ref, probably daring the ref to throw a flag – uh, that's just that's just hurting the team, and it puts the Ravens in a much better spot uh, on the final drive. You know, the Ravens started out, I think, on the 34. They returned it to the 34, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. And without that, they'd be 10 yards back, and that could easily have been a factor in the Ravens going down the field and scoring a game-winning touchdown. Thankfully, it wasn't, but if it was, that would have been a big topic today. Yeah, Ryan Clark on ESPN actually last night saying that, you know, this was the Odell Beckham Jr. that we know. He can do his antics. He can, you know, make his crazy points and propose to a kicking net. But when you're giving your team penalties, especially in crunch time, you're only down four points, and Joe Flacco has a cannon of an arm, you cannot be making penalties like this. And obviously Josh Brown having to kick a lot further back than normal. And like you said, the Ravens got some good field position, didn't do anything with it, but – Again, Odell Beckham Jr. getting an unsportsmanlike conduct, but after that 
222-yard breakout game where both those scores put the Giants in the lead. I mean, I guess he could have, you know, walked away clean on that one. But let's talk about now his little hip pointer that he got yesterday trying to get a jump ball. You know, he tried to stay in the game, but the medical staff, you know, wants to give him the attention. He blows him off, and then the next play comes right out. Did you find that funny? Because I absolutely did. Yeah, I definitely did. And, you know, it depends. If something happens where he maybe twists something or a minor little thing that he has to come out for a play and tells the medical staff, no, 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 I'm, like, totally fine, that's one thing. But for him to completely blow off the medical staff while he's hobbling on the sideline and then come back in, the Giants run a run play, and he doesn't even run, and he immediately comes back out. It shows you that it's not like he went back out and re-aggravated it. It was still hurting him, and he needs to realize that he's not helping the team by going out and risking a more serious injury. He's hurting the team, so he needs to listen to the medical staff. They need to do their job. He needs to do his job, and that's as simple as that. You know, I, I, like, I like how you put that because, obviously, Odell Beckham being – someone that is filled with adrenaline during the game. We see that constantly from his, his outlashes and, and saying, you know, even after the game, all I want to do is win. You know, winning hurts for me. And sometimes there is a fine line, and I feel like being the 23-year-old, you know, only three years in the league now, he's, he's got to realize that he kind of has to take a step back. And when his pro- professionals and the trainers are telling him that he needs to take a seat and we can figure this out, that they have to do it, Kudos to him for trying to play through it and, you know, being a, a, you know, I wouldn't say team player, but, but trying to stay out on the field because that they know that his team needs him. But at the same time, you know, health is always a main concern in this sport. So Odell Beckham obviously having a great game, but someone else having a great game too, and that's the guy that was throwing the ball to him in Eli Manning. We see him starting to settle down, did a great job in the second half, Here's his stat line, 32 completions on 46 attempts, 403 yards, three TDs, two INTs. He did a great job, especially in that second half where he seemed to be on the right page with every one of his assets. Justin, what did you like from Eli Manning yesterday? You know, he looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket. He seemed to have regained some confidence that he had lost in his offensive line, and rightfully so. This offensive line was giving him zero protection the entire season and they finally gave him protection and look what he did. He puts up 400 plus yards and his completion percentage was excellent as well, especially with the fact that both interceptions were not really on him. One was at the last play of the half and then the other one, Sterling Shepard got tangled up and that wasn't really on Eli. So, you know, really great game from Eli. I'd still like to see him get Sterling Shepard some more targets. I mean, this guy, every time Eli throws to him, it seems like Shepard gets his hands on the ball and comes down with a completion. So I think there's been a lack of targets to Sterling Shepard, and I think that's definitely holding back this Giants offense a little bit. Yeah, we talk about spreading the wealth and how he tries to use as as many of his assets as he possibly can. But again, when you're spreading the wealth, you want to make sure that you have the best investments, and those are your wide receivers. So hopefully Sterling Shepard and even Victor Cruz can get a little bit more into that offensive scheme, and then work your way down from there. Justin, you brought up the offensive line. Having a better game than what they have these past two weeks, but there are still questions among them. Do you think that the Giants uh, stick with what they have, or do they test flowers on the right side and look to add a left tackle? I mean, you, you got to you know, 
sort of, you know, come into into play that Eli Manning is, you know, he was a little bit more protected yesterday, but at the same time, he did have a couple of scares. And, you know, you can obviously see in those past two games with Minnesota and Green Bay that when you face good uh, rushers that, you know, he gets a little bit nervous and, and rightfully so. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, what you said is correct. Um, his left tackle specifically, Eric Flowers, has not done good of a job this year. Um, on the right side, Bobby Hart's been filling in for the injured Marshall Newhouse. Bobby Hart hasn't done a terrible job, but he's got a much easier task than Flowers on the blind side. I wouldn't mind seeing the Giants give Flowers some time on the right side. That's where he played a lot of time in college. That's where he seems to be comfortable. I understand that the Giants want to try to develop a young left tackle. That's much more vital to a team than a young right tackle. However, if the left tackle is going to be, if he's going to play worse on the left side than the right side, I don't see the the uh, I don't see the thought process there by McAdoo. Let's you know hope that the Giants can emulate what they did yesterday because it was a lot better effort on the offensive side of the ball. But let's switch to the other side, defense allowing 23 points. However, Joe Flacco didn't throw a touchdown. He had 26 completions on 48 attempts for 307 yards. Terrence West getting two touchdowns on the ground for them. But when it came to it, the defense proved that they can make the big play. They are fifth in red zone efficiency, and that big play on fourth and one where Jonathan Casillas kept West out of the end zone changed that entire game. Justin, did you like what what you saw from the defense side of the ball yesterday? Absolutely. I think the defense played exceptionally. Um, the pass rush still, I think, can get a bit, a little better, but it was so much better than it was past three weeks, and that's great to see because the secondary is finally getting the credit it's deserved. The secondary has been playing great. It's mainly Janoris Jenkins and Dominique Rogers Cromartie. They've both been excellent. Janoris Jenkins, other than that one play where Mike Wallace beat him down the sideline knocked away just about every ball thrown to him, and he's really been incredible. He's making, he's earned all that $62.5 million the Giants paid him, and once the pass rush is forcing quarterbacks to get rid of the ball faster, it's going to make the secondary even better. I love Janoris Jenkins. I love that signing the minute that they got him, and obviously he's proving himself worthy of all that money. As you said, a lot of tip passes yesterday, and I believe – he had a very great play that, that should have been a touchdown uh, for the Ravens, but he uh, tipped that one out. So Janoris Jenkins obviously doing a good job. And speaking of that secondary, you saw the Giants you know, might be talking about that pass rush a little bit and noticing that they really can't get to the quarterback. So what happens? They start sending the secondary and the linebackers a lot yesterday, and that added some very good pressure. Landon Collins got a sack, but also at the same time, you talk about that line, Jonathan Hankins, getting his first sack of the season. So do you like this mix-up where you're sending, you know, at one point they even sent two secondary uh, guys in and less than three seconds, Joe Flacco was there. Does it, you know, create obviously a lot less pressure on the outside? Sure, but do you like that the secondary and the linebackers really get involved in this blitzing scheme? I don't like it. I love it. I think it's great game planning by Steve Spagnuolo. And Steve Spagnuolo, is known for his blitz packages, and we haven't seen much this thus far this season. 
and it's great that he was able to bring Landon Collins down, rush him to the to uh, Flacco. Landon Collins gets his second sack, I believe, of the season. And it goes to show you what happens when you rush more than just the four guys you have on the line. They created pressure, and aside from the sacks they got, they just were applying pressure all game, and that that's huge. That's the most important thing you can do as a defense. And now I want to bring up one specific person in this defense, in Olivier Vernon. Obviously, man getting the most guaranteed money out of all those you know, players that came into the Giants in the free agency. He's getting 52 I believe, guaranteed in an $80 million deal. Um, not really playing up to his standard. He's been all right on the edge, you know, blocking the rush. But at the same time, they've got him to get to the quarterback, and he has not done that well this season. And yesterday you saw the same thing. JPP looked good on the opposite side, but Vernon seemed to be getting crushed. What do you think might be his issue right now trying to get to that quarterback? Well, I don't like to – give excuses to these guys but Olivier Vernon has been held back by a wrist injury he's had a bandage on his wrist for I think four weeks now maybe five weeks and that definitely is limiting his mobility now she should definitely still be getting to the quarterback but I think that that there was too much hype built around Olivier Vernon he got a ton of money like you said and people don't realize that it's not that he got that much money because that's how much he deserved compared to other guys in the league. He was the top defensive end available. He was what many called the top player in free agency available. And teams had a lot of cap space, so he was just getting money thrown at him. So I think there's a misconception there. I think people are expecting him to play like any other guy who's making 75, I think it is, million dollars on their contract. And that's just not the type of player he is. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a very good player. He showed a lot of mm-hmm. nice uh, pass rush moves off the line last year in Miami, but he's young. He's 25. The Giants definitely want him in New York so that they can develop him and make the most of his talent, but I think fans are definitely getting too far ahead of themselves, expecting this guy to be maybe what a lot of think as a top three pass rusher in the league. Yeah, and obviously when you know, the culture, especially in, in just sports in general. Now you put a price tag to your head. Obviously you need to produce up to that standard and Vernon just plain and simple. Hasn't really lived up to it. Quote unquote, but I liked the, the point that you made, you know, he wasn't going to be in an absolute stud to start off. Maybe he needs to learn, you know, the giant schemes, find his way into this defensive line, and then you'll see some production, but obviously fans wanting a lot more, even experts wanting a lot more from a guy that was given, you know, a higher contract than J.J. Watt. I think that's, you know, a lot of the speculation around him, and that's why he's getting the criticism he is. Now, we talk about the run defense, and Olivier Vernon does a good job of that, but Terrence West getting into the end zone twice yesterday. Let me just check his stats real quick. West having 23 attempts, 87 yards, two TDs, as we said. 33 was his longest rush. Now, the Giants have been almost stellar on the run defense, but slowly and surely it has gotten a little bit worse. And on the opposite side, the pass defense has gotten better. What do you think is wrong with the run defense right now? That's a tough one. Um, You know, the pass rush, like you've said, they're bringing guys to the offensive, to the line of scrimmage, and they're bringing linebackers down, Landon Collins. And when you're rushing more guys, maybe five or six guys at the quarterback, 
if there's a handoff, you don't have guys in the middle of the field, as many guys, I should say, to protect against the run. And, you know, it was great the first two weeks. Easy Kill Elliott and Mark Ingram, they limited them to less than three yards per carry. And it, it couldn't stay at that level. They were playing, I think they were the second best run defense in the league. And I didn't expect it to stay at that level, but they go out and they sign Damon Harrison, who's maybe the best run stopper in on the inside in the NFL. Jonathan Hankins is young and he's getting better. So I expect this group to be very solid against the run. I think the problem, like I kind of touched on, is that they're bringing guys to the line. They need to work on not only rushing the passer with more guys, but they need to be able to shed blockers. And if there is a delayed handoff or a run of that type, to be able to stick a hand out and bring down the running back rather letting them rather than letting them explode up the middle for 33 yards. Great points that you make. And I guess that your game balls, I guess, on defense can go to Landon Collins and, and Janoris Jenkins. I'm going to absolutely have to say the same. They were the best players on that Giants defense yesterday. Now, let's return to the offense a little bit. First quarter is where you set the tone in, in any game, whether it's home or away. You try to get points on the board. You try to put the pressure up early, and the Giants have not done that in the past three games. Zero points in the first quarter in Minnesota, in Green Bay, and then coming home yesterday, not getting any points. Baltimore going up 10-zip. Do you think that there is a, a problem starting out the gate early that the team doesn't you know, have their game plan set up the right way. What do you think is the issue there in the first quarter? It's tough to make an exact guess on what the problem is. Um, absolutely, though, they are having a really tough time. They get out and Odell Beckham catches a slant and he fumbles it. Then the next set of downs, they go three and out. And then the next set of downs, I think, was the end of the first or the beginning of the second, and they finally pick up a first down, and you hear a loud, sarcastic cheer from the crowd. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a game-planning issue, but I think they're just not they're not ready out of the gate, and that's a big issue because it's, like you said, it's momentum, it's a momentum of the game. And when the Ravens are up 10 nothing, it was a miracle the Giants were able to come back and win that game, but it's not, it's not very frequent that a team can go down 10-zip after the first quarter and come back to win that game. Yeah, it felt like one of those, you know, here we go again. You know, the Giants hyping everything up, saying that they figured everything out and that they, you know, lay an egg. Luckily, second half told a lot more. But you brought up Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard before and how you think that they need to be a lot more utilized. You know, Cruz did step up when Odell went to the locker room. He made, you know, one or two good catches, got a couple first downs, and eventually set up that – Go, uh, that red zone touchdown to Roger Lewis Jr. But do, what what do you think, Justin, the Giants have to do, that Ben McAdoo specifically has to do to get Cruz and Shepard more involved? Because in, in, in the preseason, a lot of people were saying this could be the best wide receiver tandem in the league, and we have not seen that production considering that these two other guys, other than Odell Beckham Jr., are playmakers. How do you think McAdoo is going to address this going forward? Yeah, I'm guilty of one of those guys who said this was going to be the best uh, receiving court in the league. I think the problem, like I said, oh, yeah, I think, I mean, most people were, I'd say, but I think the problem that I touched on earlier is Sterling Shepard getting a lack of targets. I watched this guy 
when I was at training camp. And to be honest, he didn't look much different from Odell Beckham Jr. His routes are so sharp, so crisp. I, it's rare that I see him drop a ball. I remember he dropped the ball against the Redskins, and I was in utter shock. And this guy, from a talent aspect, I don't see much different between him and Odell Beckham. So I think that getting, I think, eight targets it was, um, yeah, eight targets, that's not enough. And especially with the fact that most of those were just little short dump-offs. Victor Cruz, I I hate to say it because I'm a big Victor Cruz fan, but he's just not the same guy that we all know, that 2011 Victor Cruz. And it's not even that he's lost a step. He has lost a step, but that's not the main issue. This guy, he's, I feel like he's lost his mentality, his football mentality. He has dropped way too many balls this year. He doesn't look like when he's running his routes, he doesn't look as, I don't know if into it's the right word, but his routes aren't nearly as sharp as Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard's routes. And I think that's part of the reason why we don't ever see him in the slot. I think that's something that hasn't been talked about enough is Victor Cruz was the slot receiver in 2011. And I don't think I've seen any snaps of him in the slot this year. No, I mean, you know, I I was waiting for, you know, McAdoo to figure out, you know, flipping over Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard because Sterling Shepard, what many people don't realize is that he was a great deep ball threat at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield's arm, and he can go Absolutely. up and get a ball. He has an over 40-inch vertical, and when you're running the speed that he runs, I believe he ran around a 4-4 or a 4-5-40. He is a deep ball threat, and you said you went to camp, and you know, I went to the Giants-Redskins uh, game a couple weeks ago, and you know I saw his speed, his, his route work, and how he can be an Odell Beckham junior junior so to speak you know lack lack for for better terms but i like what you said about victor cruz even yesterday on a quick curl you know trying to run for catching the ball simple things like that those fundamentals is what's going to keep you in that game going forward and you know you saw roger lewis jr scoring a touchdown on a great route you know Tavares king is also back there and people forget about Dwayne harris can also make you know a, a um impact but Victor Cruz, I think, going forward, should be switched to the slot where I feel he is most comfortable, but we'll see as time goes on. But you talk about, you know, how they aren't utilized. How about the tight ends being utilized yesterday? Larry Donnell and Will Ty making some great catches, making some good runs. I mean, we can talk about Larry Donnell's, uh, you know, bailout from o- Odell Beckham yesterday in crunch time. But other than that, Larry Donnell, six catches, 34 yards, 13 was his longest. And then Will Ty getting two, 15, uh, two catches, 15 yards, and 10 was his longest. But, again, Eli Manning loving his tight ends, and they delivered yesterday. Yeah, that just, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Eli Manning loves his tight ends. You hear guys, Kevin Boss, Bear Pasco, these are guys that most people don't know they even exist. And Eli Manning finds a way to use these guys. I mean, who knows if Will Ty and Larry Donnell would even be on a team if it wasn't for Eli Manning. This guy loves his tight ends, and he really uses them, sometimes a little too much, throwing them as red zone threats. But regardless, he loves dumping the ball off to Will Ty, especially when they need a first down and it works. Will Ty 
all of his catches, it seems, are over the middle of the field, and he turns and just boosts his way past the first down marker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's it seems to be just like a cakewalk for them when when they're when they're getting um, touches when the wide receivers are opening things up for him and Eli Manning showing off why he loves Danell and Ty yet again. Let's talk about before we finish things off. We have about six or six minutes or so. A couple of things that need to change, you know, heading into the next week. Dwayne Harris. Now we brought up Dwayne Harris and how he's the ultimate special teams guy for the Giants. Had a little bit of an issue yesterday. Might have been a mental block, and it seemed no one was really talking to him because he was calling fair catches inside the ten yard line. That's usually a big no no within the league. What do you think was going on in his head yesterday? Yeah, I've been saying it since the start of the season, and it was definitely a concern I had with this Giants team. When a guy like Dwayne Harris goes from last year being a key part of the offense with Victor Cruz out, and he was the starting slot receiver, to it's really he only goes in when it's a goal line, uh, when the Giants are at the goal line trying to run it in. He's used as a blocker, but guys like that, they see a lack of game time, and then they go in, and I feel like they need to make a play. And... It's almost, it's, I mean, calling for a fair catch isn't making a play, but I feel he, he stands there and he's waiting. And he's and I've seen it this year, like the fumble in Minnesota. He tries to wait it out and tries to, you know, field the ball and make a play. And I think a bailout for him is calling for that fair catch at the last second. And he doesn't have much of a choice when there's a second left before the ball is coming down into his arms. He doesn't have much of a choice to get out of the way. So I think he needs to definitely be talked to about the fact that it's about the team here. It's not about you making a play, and he's great when he does have room, but he needs to understand that when it's not time to field the ball and run it back, it's not time. It's time to take a fair catch or let it bounce into the end zone. Yeah, always hard when you you know kind of have to give up your position after just one year. I mean, he did do a pretty good job in the offense last year at the slot, like you said. Now, final thing before we go into – you know, our closing statements, we didn't talk about the run game at all, and rightfully so because it was awful. Rashad Jennings finally coming back. You think that that's going to change something and open up some holes for Eli Manning to work with? Not in the slightest. Nine attempts, 15 total yards he got, and then they tried Bobby Rainey and Paul Perkins, and they got even less, 13 yards and 10 yards respectively for those two. Run defense, I mean, run game, excuse me, has been awful for the Giants. What do you think they need to change? Rashad Jennings, man. I mean, this guy can't get it going, it seems like. He seems like a third down back, and the Giants try to use him as an every down back. And when Rainey's in the game, I like what he brings to the table. He's really shifty, and it's a little disappointing that that as you know, people watching the Giants, it's come to the point where you're looking at, to Bobby Rainey to be your lead back because he's really a special teams player but I haven't seen anything from Rashad Jennings this year uh he had a good end to last year's campaign but this year just running up the middle and getting stuffed every time I'd like to see the Giants stick with Rainey and Darkwa and maybe use Jennings on third downs or I don't know what they want to do but I definitely don't think using Rashad Jennings as the every down back is the way to go and you talk about his him being last year I think it was around week 10 or week 11 on until the end of the season. He was the most efficient running back in the league. He had the most rushing yards of any running back. So clearly he has the prowess 
But I feel like, again, we want to talk about that offensive line. Talk, talk about that at a different time, maybe trying to open up holes for him, and it really wasn't working at all yesterday. So just under two minutes now, final word from you, Justin. They get a win yesterday after a three-game losing streak. Do you think that the Giants could start going on a run again and getting back to some winning football? Well, this is the time to do it. They go to London, take on a very mediocre Rams team. Then they get a bye week to heal up, go over the game plan, prepare for the final however many weeks, nine weeks of the season. So, you know, this is the perfect time for the Giants to get their act together, go on a winning streak, and fight for this division, which has turned out to be a tough division. Uh, We'll see what the Giants can do. I want to apologize to everyone for my voice. Uh, Hopefully it will be better for Friday. But, you know, looking forward well, you, to doing these podcasts with you, Scott. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. This was a lot of fun. I'm pretty good for the first week. Now, what we will be doing on this Giants Beat podcast, this is the review of week six. Tune in Friday will be the preview for that game that Justin brought up about uh, the L.A. Rams. Excuse me. They're going to be in London, going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a definite you know, look for a win for the Giants heading into their bye week. So alongside Justin Whitmont, I am Scott Thompson. Glad to be here with you. Always check out thegiantsbeat.com on scout.com for all of the latest Giants news, where me and Justin also write a few articles a week to keep you all up to date on Big Blue. So that's about all the time that we have today. Check in on Friday. We will let you know what time. And it will be another 30-minute podcast. It will be the preview for week seven. Justin, have a good one, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks, Scott.